0: This is the only place that talks about how to maximize the output of your SDR team. Every single week, we get insights from the best-in-class SDR leaders, diving deep into exactly how we can better lead our teams, constantly increase the output of our management, and leverage the systems that will allow our SDRs to perform at a much higher level. This is the SDR Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Becker. Do not forget to leave us a review and rate us on iTunes. Welcome back to the SDR Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Matt Becker, getting ready for another episode with a very special guest, Bruno Broughton. And for those of you who uh, are not familiar, right now he's a sales development manager at Zoom Info. You've been there for about eight months, right? eight, nine months?
1: Yeah, yeah, joined in January. Um, so yeah, great, great to be here and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, 100%, built his career over at Leighton. A lot of what we're going to be focusing on is how do you really rally your SDR team to, I mean, ultimately achieve the company objective whilst also achieving their own objectives? And how do you really create that, that kind of environment, that kind of dynamic? So really excited to dive into this conversation. I appreciate you hopping on here, Bruno.
1: Yeah, sure. No problems, Matt. And, and thanks for having me. Um, very quick sort of background um, as to, I guess, why we're here today. Um, I... Started, as most people did, as an entry-level SDR uh, back in 2018, it was now. Um, and so sort of worked my way up very quickly um, into management. I always knew I wanted to be a leader in, in SDR, uh, in the SDR field. So made the transition into SaaS um, at the start of 2022 um, as I was ready for a new challenge and sort of been at Zoom Info since January, growing up the outbound sales development team here um in london which has been great i've absolutely loved it um it's a great company it's growing incredibly fast and at the moment all the eyes and ears are on our international movement so it seemed like a, a great fit and a, a great time for a challenge um over here in terms of in terms of what you just what you just said there i think you know aligning sdr goals um with like the business needs it's actually a really good question because one of the first things i spoke about with my, with my team back in, in January. And I think one of the biggest flaws, I guess, in the SDR role at the moment is the feeling of being bottom of the food chain. And that leads to people very quickly, um, you know, not feeling maybe respected or um not getting the recognition they deserve. So one of the big things that that we do and and it's a huge part of I guess my job as an SDR leader is to make them feel not just like, you know, a, a cog in a moving wheel, but actually feel they're part of something much bigger. And that can come from, you know, anything from reverse engineering a target that the business has set all the way back to how many calls they might need to make in a day to hit their target, which then influences what happens further down the line. And I think booking a meeting is not just booking a meeting. So making sure that we are matching that meeting up with when a meeting is signed, how much revenue that brought in. So important to make people feel connected to the wider business goals. Um, And that's something that we do on a weekly basis. You know, how much revenue has that brought in so far? You're part of something more than just appointment setting.
0: No, it's really good context. And uh, for those of you who... uh... You know, or maybe just listen to the audio, Bruno right now is rocking some really awesome Zoom Info swag. So you know they're marketing and their culture is <laughs> on point if you got that kind of buy-in. But that's awesome. Love the shirt, man.
1: I I did I did wake up this morning. I thought, what should I wear for this? And then I'd straight in there, nicely ironed Zoom Info shirt. I thought, I've got to put that on. Oh, yeah. Got to put that no, on. That's
0: perfect. So I think like the biggest question is pretty much every SDR leader wants to wants to align the SDR goals with the company goals. But I guess like what's your approach to that, creating that alignment? I mean, in terms of, you know, maybe like longer term, career mapping um, would actually be a good place to start. Like how do you really get their career mapped to where they're still able to achieve company objectives?
1: I think it's, it's massively important because there aren't many humans in the world that sort of graduate from university and go. I can't wait to be an SDR. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to cold call for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of people don't know what an SDR role can can give you. They don't know the paths, the the options they can get from doing, you know, as little as twelve to eighteen months of of SDR experience and where that can take you. So. When people come in, one of the first questions I ask them in an interview is why, you know, why sales? It's a very basic question. Uh, And I'm looking for people who have a long term goal, people who have a vision on maybe an account executive position. They want to be closing. They want to be doing face to face or, you know, Zoom calls, doing the discovery, not just setting appointments. Or they might want to go into account management. And I think one of the jobs as as, well, one of our jobs as an SDR leader is to make it very clear what those paths look like what kind of skills you need the difficulties and challenges you'll face and make sure that you keep linking back every day that is why you're doing this job the reason why you made 75 calls today and had 10 people hung up on you is because in 12 to 18 months time you're going to be earning more money doing a role like this in a potentially fast-growing SaaS business that's the why behind um you know why we do it and I think a lot of people lose sight of that six, seven months into an SDR career. That rejection takes its toll. And that's where the career mapping side, like you said, comes in. It, people need to know what they're doing this work for and why and how successful it can make them.
0: What are your thoughts on, you know, maybe people come in and they, they don't really have a game plan beyond the SDR role and they haven't really thought of that. Is that a really big red flag, someone that you wouldn't want to bring on the team?
1: it's not a red flag. I, I wouldn't expect anyone, you know, especially if you're hiring a graduate to, to come in and say, yep. So I've planned out my career. I'm going to be an A in 80 months. This is not going to happen. But I think it's more that hunger of there are so many jobs out there, which people can get after graduating and they can just walk in and they've got a job. They can start to pay their rent, pay off, you know, any debt they've got. And it is essentially just a job. And that's the red flag is where people go, oh, I just want a job. You've got to have a strong why to go into sales. It doesn't need to be a, a, a role that defines that. It's more the the path and progression and the hunger that you've got to be successful that we need to see. So no, it doesn't need to be someone coming in saying, I've mapped out the next three years of my life. It's more, I've, I want to be successful when I'm going to work pretty damn hard to make sure that happens because these are the goals that I've set myself.
0: Okay, so let's say you get an SDR on board, they've got that hunger, you know, they're, they're really growth driven, you know, maybe they have a plan, maybe they don't. How is it that you go about, I I don't even know if maybe it's from day one, really mapping out with them expectations as far as how they're going to grow in their career. And is that something you do from day one or do you actually wait until further down the road?
1: I think, I mean, certainly the organizations I've been a part of, the SDR role is the fastest to have sort of instant gratification and instant promotion And i think that's important because it keeps people moving the next goal the next pay rise the next um, incentive is only ever a couple of months or three months away so i think it's important to have that mapped out so the journey of a junior inbound sdr let's say for example all the way through to getting promoted to a senior outbound sdr and start mapping out the next senior role of your career which might be account management account executive customer success Sure. That That path needs to be, in my opinion, communicated from day one.
0: So at, at zoom info, how do you map out those micro promotions? Just curious.
1: Yeah. So it's very, obviously it's sales, it's very target driven. And I think one of the things which maybe surprised me a bit here, but I actually really like it is the simplicity of what's needed to achieve a promotion. So for example, If you go into the inbound, which is the entry level role, you essentially need to get 200 meetings, good fit meetings completed. There's no time frame. As soon as you get that, you're immediately promoted up to the outbound team. That's a very simple goal. There's nothing else to it. 200 good fit meetings. Once you hit that, you can move into your outbound career and we can start talking about what those micro promotions look like. So, for example, you come into my team. Those newly promoted outbound SDRs go, What? Well, how do I make it to senior? The answer again is very simple. It's a hundred completed good fit meetings as an outbound SDR before you become senior. And obviously along the way, all of these things, there are added incentive payments. There's bonuses and that keeps people going as well. But it's very clear from your first day on onboarding, especially here, what's required to be successful. And crucially, it's not like you need to wait eight months. If someone hits what they need to do within that eight months, we know that they are probably ready for the next step, even if that means they've gone from inbound to outbound to senior in that space of time.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's really good insight because, you know, I think a lot of SDR leaders and, I mean, just the way the companies are structured, just like you go in, you do the same gritty thing for a year, and then, you know, maybe we'll figure out a way to promote you at that point. And then that's kind of you know what, I think most SDRs really walk into as far as environment, especially in some really younger companies. So really appreciate you sharing that. Now, in terms of, I mean, I guess even financial goals and mapping that out with the SDRs, you know, you know, most people getting into sales want to make more than just, you know, your average, you know, 60 to hundred K a year. They really want to push beyond that. How do you have that conversation with them around Hey, if you want to make like X amount of money, if they have that mapped out and and really map out a plan to get there, or is that something that you really focus on or not so much?
1: It is, it is in a way, I think most people are money motivated in, in the sales development role. You kind of have to be It'd be a bit weird if you weren't commission based, that's where you make the majority of your money. But I think. We can, there's only so much you can do and map out and tell people how much they can earn before that conversation becomes, in my opinion, futile. Like You can say at the start, but we obviously will push people and we have certain kickers, especially here at Zoom Info. We have kickers for how much more you can earn if you get X amount of meetings completed, or we have kickers for how much of a percentage you take of a closed one deal and things like that. So, sure, every month I'll sit down with my guys, we'll do it one-to-one, we'll review the month before. And then we'll talk about the month coming up and I'll always map out a potential commission bracket for them to hit always. But it won't take loads of time. It will just be a a target for them to hit. Um, And we'll kind of reverse engineer that. And the most important thing is actually reverse engineering it into what's required each day to make sure that this number that we've come up with at the end of the month is consistently hit every day. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the questions that I think a lot of SDR leaders have out there is, like, I I think a lot of them feel, or definitely what I've heard from a number of different consultants, at least over in the coaching space, is, you know, it's a competitive space. There's a lot of different potential, you know, roles that you can dive into straight out of college. Uh, Even in terms of SDR roles, there's a lot of different options out there. How important do you think it is to, have competitive salaries beyond what the median SDR income is, you know, 65000 a year?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I came from a company before which um, saw how that can kind of impact your hiring in that they didn't pay the average, they were less and didn't move with the times. And that led to Basically, ninety-five percent of the candidates coming through for interviews is people who'd been rejected by, you know, the SaaS companies paying ten, fifteen grand more than what we were offering, and you could tell it from, you know, the first time you spoke to them. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, yeah. Another interview. Like, you know, you could tell it'd been through the process a few times, <laughs> and actually. You know That's fine. You, we like people who, who are triers and work hard, but actually at the same time, you you want to get the best talent. And if that best talent's being snapped up because there's a shiny big uh, base salary in front of them, then yeah, of course, you have to be competitive and you have to be staying up with what the average is. I don't think you need to go and offer five, ten grand more. I don't think you always get the best people. Um, you probably just get hungrier people, but I don't think you always get the best. But I think you need to know what the average is. and You need to be around that um in order to at least attract the initial best talent especially you know those snapped up by recruiters um it's it's a challenge for sure um and one i've been faced with and seen how badly it can go if you don't stay with the times
0: gotcha and just curious like where do you think the times are at right now as far as what medium should be
1: so obviously I, i i can only really speak for the uk market at the moment um with the US I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know in the UK that the average SaaS starter SDR salary is about thirty to thirty five um thousand pounds a year, which you need to be somewhere around that. Um anything less and you know, thirty seems to be that magic number. If anyone gets offered twenty nine they don't even look at it. But if they get offered thirty it's interesting. <laughs> it's one it's one thousand a year you know, it's one thousand different. But actually For people who don't look into it as much as that, it's a big difference. So I think you've got to be around there in the UK.
0: Interesting. Okay, cool. How would your approach to managing them really change as they mature?
1: And when you say mature, do you mean after six months or so and um, they're starting to perform consistently? What's the next stage from there?
0: Yeah, or like maybe how does your, your style, like your managerial style, differ compared to maybe you know, the first three months that someone gets in compared to, you know, the second quarter that they're with you and so on.
1: Sure. I think the first three months is a whirlwind, especially in in SaaS right now. There are so many different tools, areas of tech stack, different products, different features, different industries we sell to that first three months is much more handheld in, in the guidance of where people need to go You're probably giving them a bit more direction you're probably leading the majority of those one-to-ones and coaching and i would probably go to most of my sdrs in their first three months with calls and say hey we're gonna we're gonna listen to this call i want to get your feedback on it for example i think thinking about the senior guys i've got in my team it's almost the reverse like they're the ones leading those one-to-ones and asking me for feedback on certain calls but they're the ones leading it. And I think that's probably where the main change comes in is the best SDRs I've ever worked with are the are the most self-reflective. So they're the ones who go, right, oh, I just had that call. Rather than just sending that to my manager because I know it wasn't great, I'm going to go back and listen to it. And I'm going to almost coach myself where I think and then get my manager to see what he thinks about my comments and that's where people seem to grow the quickest and get the best is they get comfortable listening to themselves make mistakes they get comfortable with themselves failing going back to those calls and learning from them in your first three months all you want to do is hang up the phone and pretend that call never happened and move on to the next one and then when your manager asks for a good call or sorry you ask for a call you just send them one of your best ones yeah this one was okay and actually being comfortable with your failures, your bad ones and learning from them and having that self reflective piece is probably where the biggest change comes in for me as a manager. Like they're the ones coming to me in the one-to-one saying, this is what I would like to go through. This is what I think. And having me help guide them in the right direction.
0: Hmm. Do you provide much of a framework or an expectation that SDRs should be doing that? Or do you let them take initiative as far as how they give their feedback?
1: Um, No, when people get to a certain level, I will make that change quite clear in a one to one. So let's say someone's had three great months. They're looking really, really strong. I'll sit down and say, hey, look, three brilliant back to back months. We're in a really solid spot. Talk to them about what they want to do next step wise and start to give them some understanding as to what that looks like. And then say, hey, look, moving forwards, Matt, I'd love you to come even more prepared to these one to ones than you normally are two or three calls, two or three snippets that you want to go through which you feel you could have done better and ones that you think you did really well at as well and let's go through them together. So you do give them guidance. You, they don't, you don't just wait for it to happen because sometimes it won't. Um, but I think there is definitely a, a point where that changes, especially when they become more tenured and their performances become more consistent over time.
0: Certainly. Because you know you deal with quite a, a large team of 20. So... I, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more like hands off towards the beginning, and as they kind of get better, they'll get additional support from like high level management. Is that how it works, or is it actually different? Um, it's a challenge, <laughs> to say the least.
1: Twenty twenty people. I, I don't think, I don't think it is hands off. I think, if anything, we're we're more hands on than most. Um. We have a very structured onboarding program, which is brilliantly led by our sales enablement team, which I don't have much impact in. I speak to my rep maybe for half an hour every day on those two weeks. That's about it because the majority of it's covered. And as the end of those two weeks come to an end, I'm working in the trenches with them. And actually, the the first month that they're with me, I'll, I'll meet with that person or that group every single day um, to talk about challenges they face. We'll do group call reviews together so i probably say it it, it isn't that hands-off it's actually very hands-on what you what you do find when that does happen though is you spend less time with the people maybe in months two and three and that's when the need for a team lead or another leader comes in and i think we're at that stage now where i'm looking at my calendar going i need to spend time with x but i've got it with y and we've recently got a team lead in place who can help with that
0: Right on. Okay. gotcha. In terms of creating, you know, that kind of environment where setters are going to really want to drive for the company, obviously culture plays a really big part in that. How, how do you really approach structuring that culture or creating that culture for your team? What are some of the things you do?
1: So, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, always have been. Watch play almost every sport possible if I can. Um, and as a result, I come from a, a team sport upbringing. Um, and, you know, I know that when we've spoken in the past, I've spoken about how sport and business work simultaneously. They're they're the same thing. Um, you know, I listened to a podcast a few a few weeks ago where essentially sport and business are about achieving results through people. And there's no different there's no difference there so I approach it very much in that category I think I don't know if people have been part of SDR teams in the past we've felt very individual you've got a team you might see them for half an hour in a huddle and then you just go off and do your own thing I'm very big on making sure that we've got a team culture because it leads to better job satisfaction there's no doubt like if you have a bad day but the team's goal is to book 50 meetings and we're on 49 and you might not booked all day, but you booked that one meeting to take us to 50. How much more gratifying is that than just finishing the day saying I booked one and not really knowing how that's impacted the organization, the team, the business. So I'm a huge one on creating a team culture and buying into particular messages and having SDRs work towards that because I think we all know as kids growing up, certainly in my case, being part of a team sport was the best part of my week and there's no reason why we can't create a similar atmosphere with an sdr team
0: that's like yeah, some really good reasons why i guess what's your approach to that you know in terms of creating that how do you create that sort of sportsman like teamwork it sounds like one of the ways was making sure you give reps context on hey how is your contribution actually driving the team and company forward stella are there other things you do as well
1: Yeah, of course. So um, we'll do, you know, loads of healthy competition things within that. We'll pair people up against each other. Um, We'll split the team into two teams. um, And, you know, one of the teams might get an early leave on a Friday, um, depending on how many demos were booked. We'll come up with lots of incentive things. But I think the key thing is collaboration. And being in the team that I'm in, we've got SDRs across three different countries working six different days with israel working sundays not fridays you don't have an office culture where you can all go and have lunch together and you don't have that office culture particularly with what's happened the last couple of years we can't all go and meet up and have a dinner together so creating a team culture is about consistently meeting consistently having huddles i have a model a huddle every single day with every single person in my team and quite often we won't sit there and go through boring admin, we'll just sit there and and have a chat with people because we've got 20 people from every background, ethnicity, culture that you could possibly imagine. Languages. When when you're ever going to get a chance to be in a group like that, you know, we surround ourselves quite often with people who we're just friends with. Whereas actually this group, we don't have that luxury. So we, we spend a lot of time even just ten, fifteen minutes every day, putting a quick zoom link in, jumping on, having a chat, where are people struggling, and sharing best practices is the obvious one how to create a culture? you know I've seen sales development teams, one person's killing it you know what's 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 Graham doing differently? Oh Graham doesn't let anyone know he's all on his own, and like that's fine, but actually, why can't we find a way of letting other people learn from the best and you know we'll say, we'll speak and say well done Avery, you booked eight meetings yesterday, where did you get those from? And Avery will come in and say, this is what I was doing, this is what I was doing on LinkedIn, this is is the talk track I was using on that cold call, sharing best practices um, with such a different group of people. Some people have been here a week, some people have been here a year. That's how to get the best out of people.
0: So in terms of those meetings, because that's really interesting, because I think a lot of SDR leaders, they'll do like the daily meeting, but... It might be a little bit uh, stale, yep. or you know, maybe they're just doing a car review, things like that. How do you get that interaction going? Is there something you do to structure that differently? How do you lead those?
1: I think you've got to be really organised. Um, there are a few things which we have to go through every day, which might be, you know, meetings on the calendar which we need to get confirmed. But every day, I'll try and either cover something different, like it might be a LinkedIn post that I saw. And I'm like, guys, I just want to share this piece of IP with you. Or sometimes, and, and what's worked brilliantly is on Fridays, we do word of the day. I don't know if you've heard of heard of this, but I'll just Google what the word of the day is. And I say, right, guys, what word of the day. And it might be something pretty obscure, like no one's ever heard of the word. Best person to incorporate that word of the day into a cold call wins an Amazon voucher. So then the guys on a Friday, which can be quite hard. Everyone's going off trying to incorporate this stupid word into a call just to keep the juice flowing. Great fun. So we'll we'll, we'll have certain days where we'll do something slightly different to the norm. Um, Some of my senior guys who are top performers, they might have a really good call. And this goes back to that self-analytic piece. I'm like, Avery, that was a great call. Do you mind dissecting that in the morning? huddle so it's not always me it's not always my boring voice going right guys we've got another big day coming up you know classic sales, <laughs> you know what I mean? sales manager chat um what you've actually got is oh avery's going to lead and avery's pretty good because he had 30 meetings complete last month so i'm going to listen to this so i think mixing up and not doing the same boring routine of people going half eight bruno speaking you know yeah sounds good yeah all my meetings are confirmed you know it's trying to mix it up and come up with new ideas, which has been challenging because of COVID and everything. We did a million and one Zoom calls, but um, I think getting other people involved has been good as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's some really good insights. So I'm just curious, you know, with regards to almost almost like incentivizing uh, fun is what it sounds like. It's really what the drivers like with word of the day, things like that. <laughs> what are some of the other things you do?
1: So we do all sorts of fun things we've um we we do like sort of voice note challenges you know people chucking voice notes into the into the slack channel the slack channel could be i mean i don't know if you guys use slack but it, it can be it can be pretty dull at times so you know i make sure that if someone's putting their meeting in like i want everyone reacting with an emoji in there so some people have got their own stupid emojis which we put in um i think we've got one guy who loves sending voice notes in. So we say, you know, next meeting book gets a voice note from Charlie. Um, So incorporating fun like that. And I think on a more practical side and a learning-based side, last week, for example, we were all in the office as a a London team. We played a game of objection ball, which is a really simple game. You just get a football or or a soccer ball and you write on the panels all the objections you face on a daily basis from customers, right? And then you just sit in a room And this is like half eight in the morning you need a coffee your brain's not quite working just chuck the ball to someone and say whatever objection it lands on i'll be the the prospect and i'm going to give you that objection and everyone freezes it's hilarious (laughs) because no 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 one thinks clearly under pressure in their you know the first minute of the day um but it it really actually works so there's a lot of fun that goes into it and, and i try and you know juice up as much as I can you know we, my director Tim's got a great beard and we say oh if we book 60 meetings Tim's going to shave his beard off and stuff and I think it all tries to it, it tries to contribute to to you know a high performing team but that objection ball is brilliant because actually when they get on the phones at nine their heart rate's up and they've had three objections chucked at them from their manager and you know they're, they're pretty confident that they can they can hit the ground running and not have any of those lazy calls which we can often have first thing in the morning. So yeah, that's a couple of ideas that we use.
0: Yeah, those are actually really helpful. And you know, I, I've seen inside of some companies where, and honestly, like, I'm completely honest, we do not have this currently in our own. But where you go into the Slack channel and it it is bustling, it's like you know downtown New York in there. What um, <laughs> what, what do you recommend to really create that kind of environment, maybe in the Slack channel? That kind of um, yeah, communication, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um... I think it just comes from setting standards as a team it, and it sounds stupid but whenever I have a new member join my team I've got a pretty long list of you know non-negotiables I, I guess of this is what we do like you don't turn up late to a, to a meeting you can't just rock up whenever you want if you say you're coming to the office, coming on that day, don't wake up and say you don't fancy it. Like a lot of non-negotiables. But one of those is interaction in the chat and turning your notifications on for the channel. Um, it might seem micromanaging at times, but a lot of these people, it's their first ever role. And they need to be looked after in a way which they probably haven't had before in a job. So one of those things that we have as a non-negotiable is interaction in the chat and make sure if you're getting tagged in a comment or being asked to do something during working hours you should you should be responding unless you're away on lunch you know just and it is a big thing for me if someone's booked a meeting put it in the chat and say booked a meeting for next day if people aren't reacting to that they're not getting that satisfaction like they would have done in the office when someone had gone What a mate that was a great call they're just sitting there probably in their bedroom and if they're not getting that team interaction then the motivation levels don't increase as much they do when you get that sort of team collaboration. So it's, it's just a non-negotiable I have when people join my team.
0: I guess one of the other things that I'm curious about, cause there's a lot of different approaches to using spiffs, prizes, gifts, um, you, you know, gifts in the Slack channel, et cetera. Do you just like have a list of different things that you'll use on like a weekly, monthly basis, or how do you go about that? I guess more spiff prize kind of portion of things
1: yeah so like we we do have spiffs um we do two sort of demo days a month which are fairly self-explanatory the whole sdr organization gets behind a goal and there'll be a spiff in place it might be dollars it might be early leaves it could be anything normally is something to do with either take home money or, or an early finish on a friday and those that's full team organization but on top of that every team gets allocated a spiff budget and you can use that however you want so you might want to incentivize the end of a month when you're you know five percent behind your goal most in weeks set and completed meetings takes home x amount of dollars for example or it might be something a little bit more granular than that and actually your team's not working hard enough and you want them to send more emails or make more calls and you incentivize the activity not the outcome so there's lots of ways of doing it, but yeah, we get a budget and, and that's every single month we can use that and then divide it however we want. It could be to split between the team. It could be all into one individual. It really depends on, I guess the team and the department's
0: needs at the time. I guess as far as those prizes, do you see, just use monetary or will you take those funds and be like, Hey, you know, if you win this, like you get a pizza party for yourself and your family or whatever it is. It's
1: it's actually a really good point because I there was this I don't know if you've heard this saying before but it's like no one no one wants fifty dollars but everyone wants what fifty dollars can buy you and it was a set a, do you know what I mean I think that's something which really sticks out to me is you know if someone went don't 50 fifty pounds in the UK I'm like I mean why sure but actually if someone went do you want a pair of shoes which are worth 49.99 i really want those shoes so i think you do get that um that buy-in when you when you do it and i think with the uk team we've said like we can take you out for meals we can put money behind the bar so trying to use that that money not just a extra bit of cash in their in their pocket and take it a step further and buy them a gift or find them something on amazon to send them online so yeah we we do, do do occasionally do that and i think it's something that every sales team needs
0: to do more of Yeah, no, some really good insights on this. Just as far as building culture, you know how to think about incentivization. I think it's going to really help, especially a lot of the small business owners. If you're a small business owner listening to this, you know definitely take note. Um, And last question I was going to have, I just want to get your thoughts on this. In terms of retention, performance, etc., what do you think is is more important? Do you think it's higher financial incentivization? Or do you think it really comes down to how great is your culture?
1: So really good question. Um I've always been a culture man first. But I think I also know that if if you've had a certain tenure at a company or in a role, you are expecting to be paid more. I mean, it's just simple. So the easy answer and the easy way out for me is to say you need both to align. But I think culture is, is the key. And part of why I took the job at Zoom Info is I, I was the first employee in the SDR department in the UK. So I had a chance to build that culture. And as you can probably tell from how I've spoken about it, that is one of my favorite parts of the job is getting people ingrained into a culture. And that's what keeps people in a role. Because you tend to not get up at six o'clock in the morning to earn 50 grand a year. It's normally to go and tell your mates what you did on the weekend. And do you see what I mean? I think that's a really important part
0: of it. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really, really good closing points. Awesome. Yeah. Bruno really appreciate you hopping on. Hey, um, if anyone has like direct questions for you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I'm on LinkedIn. Um so my name's Bruno Broughton. Just please type that in on, on LinkedIn and, and ping me a message. Um I'm very, very occasionally on Twitter. I don't tweet myself, but if anyone needs me on there, that would do. And then um I'm on I'm on Instagram as well, as everyone is these days, so
0: no doubt. Yeah. We'll we'll be sure to drop uh what sounds like your Insta and the LinkedIn down below for anyone if that's cool with you.
1: Yep, sounds good.
0: Awesome. All right. Appreciate your time, Bruno. Really appreciate you hopping on.
1: Thanks, Matt. Pleasure. And I'll uh, speak to you soon.
0: Appreciate you tuning in for another episode of the SDR Leadership Podcast. Guys, if you want to get in touch with Bruno, I do recommend it. You can head over to uh, his LinkedIn. Just check the episode notes and you'll be able to get in touch with him there. And if you haven't already, head over to iTunes, drop us a rating and drop us a review That will allow us to get the show in front of more people, which will allow us to draw in more of the guests you guys want to see on the show. And it'll be a place where you can give me feedback as far as any of those adjustments you want to see made, any of those things you want to see moving forward perhaps, so that I can really tailor the show to what you guys want to see, which in the end, that's what this is all about. Appreciate you all. We'll see you in the next one, okay?